The Tomahawk Show is back in preseason form. Antonio Brown is giving Cryo a bad name, but Joe's Josh McCown take might be the coldest thing in the league. Hawk reveals the gigantic endorsement deal he turned down, and we explain why the Cowboys need to back up the Brinks truck. OBJ predictions, NFL Top 100 reactions. All this and more on the Tomahawk Show. Welcome. It is finally here. The Tomahawk Show is back. Me and Joe have been going back and forth, literally arguing about if we were even going to bring this thing back. And we said, you know what? Screw it. Let's just cut the mics on. Joe, how the hell have you been? Mm, I have been outstanding. It's been a great offseason for me. I really made it an offseason. I know you, you like to grind constantly. You're out in LA working 700 jobs. Yeah, I don't have nearly as much money. Well, that's uh, that's true. You should have played left tackle. You should have been about 6'6", <laughs> six, six, 305, uh, kept... Well, you're a lot quicker than me, but I feel like if you took your body and went 6'6", 305, we'd probably be pretty similar athletically, I'm guessing. I might be going out on a limb there, but what do you think? I'd probably be playing for the Timberwolves or something. If I was 6'6", no question, I'd be in the NBA. Well, you'd be making more money then, and you definitely wouldn't be (laughs) podcasting with me in that case because NBA guys make way too much money to podcast. Are we allowed to talk about your career earnings? It's out there. I mean, USA Today every year. Well, before we get into that, let's, let's start here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Tomahawk Show. Listen, if you if this if this is your first time listening, I need you to subscribe right now. I need you to rate this show five stars, even before you listen, because it's a guarantee. And if you've already subscribed, I need you to unsubscribe and resubscribe because we're trying to be number one in the charts. So we will give you three seconds to do that right now because it doesn't take long. I will speak softly so that you feel soothed while you are unsubscribing and resubscribing and pushing your favorite podcast to the top. Listen, if if you lived under a rock over the last two years, this is the best podcast in all of sports. I am Andrew Hawkins, your humble of most humble co-host, joined by the GOAT himself, the best offensive lineman and the first offensive lineman in NFL history, Joseph Hayden Thomas. And here we are. We are back. We don't have a rundown. We haven't planned this out. We were just like, yo, let's just jump on the mics and get this party back started. And we are here because the people wanted it, Joe. Not just because we wanted it. I can't tell you how many people have been coming up to me. I was in Cleveland last week, and they're like, man, the Browns are great. We're really excited, but when are you and Hawk getting back together and start <laughs> podcasting again? You guys have taken way too much time off. And then I cut them off right there. So whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. I have taken too much time off. <laughs> Hawk has been grinding his ass off. Every time I turn on my radio, I turn on my TV, I see Hawk's beautiful face there. Every time I open Twitter, he's the most <laughs> active guy on Twitter in the history of Twitter. Me, I just went zero dark 30. I said, you know what? <laughs> The football season is going to be busy for me this year, maybe even busier than last year. But I wanted a full like off season where I could hang out with my kids, hang out with my family, reconnect with some friends, because I know that when the football season starts, it's going to be just like when I was a player. It's going to be a grind again. Yep. We're going to come out and we're going to kill the podcast game. Yep. I'm going to be doing some fun stuff that we maybe we should just start talking about it right now. What are your plans for the regular NFL season, Mr. Hawkins? So during the season. 
So for anyone who's been living under a rock, I've, I've since switched my media talents and taken them to the West Coast at NFL Network, NFL Media, joining my partner in crime, Joe Thomas. He recruited me illegally. Mm. He showed up to my house with a bag mm. of money, just like when I was being recruited tampering. to college. Yep, all that. Roger Goodell's looking into those tampering charges right now as we speak. Every NCAA rule, we broke it during that process. So I'm with the NFL Media now. So I'll be doing a lot of digital stuff. I'm kind of... Uh, a digital digital talent extraordinaire. You're the king of digital media. Exactly. I like that. You've read the article. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'll be doing a <laughs> Facebook show on Mondays called The Trend Zone. On Thursdays, I'll be teaming up with Cynthia Freeland. We'll be doing some uh, pregame Thursday night football stuff on Sundays as well. I'll be doing game day live on Sundays. Mm. And, of course, the best podcast in the history of podcasts, four-time Oscar award winner, Grammy award mm. winner, Nobel Peace Prize recipient, and voted three times the best all-terrain vehicle by J.D. Power & Associates, the Tomahawk Show, which is the most important mm. part of my life. For me, I am super excited because I feel like I landed my two dream jobs only two years after retiring from the NFL. I am wow. full-time with NFL Network on Thursday Night Football doing the pregame, the halftime, and the postgame show, which is my dream job. Because why? Well, the NFL Network is amazing. They they treat you really wonderfully. They, they really do. They're in California. So yeah. being able to go to California in the middle of the winter for like a week and <laughs> getting some sun and fun is amazing. So that's awesome. But to me also, I think the Thursday Night game has become – the premium, maybe in the top two games of the week, every single week during the NFL regular season. Yeah. I would say that and Sunday Night Football are the two best games consistently because Sunday Night Football is obviously a big game. They can flex whatever the most important, biggest game of the weekend is to that Sunday night spot. So they usually have a really good game. They've got the number one crew in Collinsworth and Al Michaels. They win the Emmy every single year. And I, the reason I think Thursday Night Football is up there is because Thursday Night Football right now is getting division games because they don't want teams to travel too far on a short week. So they're getting rivalry games. It's the only NFL game that night of the week. There's other mm -hmm. football games, but I think those are like shitty Mac teams like Toledo <laughs> playing against Akron and games that nobody else cares about. I see where we're going with this. <laughs> And it's always a fun game because Thursday night always has a great atmosphere because everybody that goes to those games for the home team takes Friday off of work because they're expecting that their team's going to win and they're going to turn it into a three-day weekend. So everybody's crunk. We're going to be in the stadium parking lot or on the sideline with those fans. And those Thursday night games, I did three of them last year. They're really fun because it's me, Michael Irvin, Steve Smith, and everybody has an opinion on those two guys for sure. <laughs> so wherever we go, people are shouting Cowboys hate at Irvin or Cowboys love. And Steve Smith is just one of those epic personalities in the <laughs> NFL where everybody loves him or hates him. And so it's, it'll be a really fun desk with those guys. The fans are always getting into it with us because we're in the parking lot lot or we're on the sidelines so we can hear them during break and they're talking trash to us we're talking trash to them so really cool atmospheres but on top of all that awesomeness uh -huh. i get to be home on the weekends i get to go to badger games on saturday i get to watch uh -huh. my brownies from the comfort of my own man cave which my wife has decorated like a sort of man woman <laughs> cave which we saw last year but i still enjoy it because it has a comfortable couch and i still get to see my family on the weekend so dream job doing a podcast with andrew hawkins making over a million dollar an episode yep from the that's comforts fact. of my home in madison wisconsin so that's why i think i was able to land my two dream jobs yeah. only two years out of the nfl did you ever think that once you retired you'd be able to do a podcast that pays you more 
than you made as an NFL player with the Tomahawk Show? First of all, I didn't think you could make any money doing podcasts. And <laughs> I joined the Tomahawk Show with Mr. Hawkins. Man, what has it been like two years now? Yeah, it's been about two. Almost two years. And I really was just doing it for fun because I like hanging out with Hawk and I like talking to him. And I really had no interest in the media game at that point. I just thought it'd be kind of fun and something to fill my time with. And I felt like after all my years playing in the NFL and doing the interviews after games and starting to do some podcast interviews with my teammates, I just kind of enjoyed doing that stuff. Uh, and then all of a sudden, because you, the listener, the Tomahawk Show oh, fan, the Tomahawkian made us number one in sports and recreation podcasts and the NFL podcast, all of a sudden, uninterrupted, has given us an opportunity to actually make this a job where we make real money real money baby one million dollars per episode now i feel this great responsibility to the tomahawk to give them what they want the greatest podcast in podcasting history you damn right listen three things stuck out to me when you were talking number one you are a company man and i'm so happy <laughs> that you're on my Thank team you. because i felt some monday night football shade in there you said it was at least the top two games of the week. There's only three. Didn't say anything about them. You didn't say anything didn't about say them. Anything I get it. It was it was it was dis by omission. No shade. But also, <laughs> um, used the word crunk, and I haven't heard the word crunk since 2007. That was pretty cool. Third, that's where I live my life. My <laughs> my social references and my cultural references belong squarely in 2007 when I was a 22 year old rookie in the NFL. <laughs> that that was a big year for you. You became a multi billionaire that year. Everything <laughs> should be referenced back to 2007. Lastly, you that's were right. spot on with the Tomahawk listeners, man. Because who would have thought the stars really aligned for us? We started this podcast oh. again when the the Browns weren't the they weren't just the worst team in the NFL. They were the worst team in NFL history. Like they were literally <laughs> the worst collection of a team by record in NFL history. And the fans, because obviously we're, we're Cleveland based, right? Like that's our connection. That's what we typically talk about. And just from that, the stars align. And now the Browns become one of the hottest sensations in the NFL. And who are the two resident Brown experts in sports media? Your boys. Andrew Hawkins and Joe Thomas. So we appreciate yeah. you guys, man. You guys are incredible. Mm -hmm. Can't thank you enough. We are looking to take this podcast to the next level in every way. We're going to have video this year. We plan to release two episodes a week um, for you to be able to see and listen to. Um, what else are we doing? We got another probably two preseason episodes we're going to do. This was just us getting on the mics. Getting This is our training camp right now. We're just getting back into rhythm. We're getting our chemistry down. We're getting our rapport down. We're going to drop two more preseason uh, episodes and then we are full go when the regular season comes mm. around man so we're excited i can't wait i can't wait I, i'm doing the thursday night gig and i've actually cut back on a lot of my other stuff that i was doing last year because i want to focus on the tomahawk show yeah. we want to make this thing consistently number one week in and week out yep. and grow our fan base and give the fans at the tomahawk exactly what they want so i cut back on a lot of my other stuff so that we can really focus on making quality shows and uh that's why 
I'm looking at a beautiful Andrew Hawkins in 4K right now. 4K. The uninterrupted people are going all out on this show, which is really <laughs> exciting for me. They're sending me a computer that is newer than 10 years old, yep. which is going to be something new for me because all of my equipment that I have here at my house <laughs> is either free or I bought like when I was a senior in college and I was getting the Apple MacBook discount, like 20% <laughs> off when you're a student. And this stuff still works. That's why I love Apple. You don't have to buy a new computer every year. But outside of that, Uninterrupted has given me all the brand new technology so I can see beautiful Andrew Hawkins yes. in 4K, the ageless male Andrew Hawkins, <laughs> the guy that doesn't seem to age one second except for in his, his waistline, which yes. uh, that's another story. We can, but to, we can we're talk about that. Looking good and sounding good all season. So I can't wait. Those are two things that we have going on is that I did my fitness challenge. People, Some people said it was fake. That's how that's how crazy I was into it. And you released another season of Coach Beer, and I have yet to get a can. Not one can. I am the only person that knows Joe who has never tried Joe Thomas Coach 73. Well, I won't send any to you because I know you're not a beer drinker, and I'm worried that you're just going to, like, open it, take a picture for your Twitter, and then pour <laughs> it out and waste it. Yeah, that'll be for the homies. And you can't waste the nectar of the gods like that. I wouldn't do that, man. I would not. I would not. As soon as I get my own Mountain Dew flavor, I, you're going to be the first person that gets it. But no more free advertisement for Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew, if you're listening, nothing comes for free in, the, in this new version of the Tomahawk Show. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I did my fitness challenge this offseason, right? And for those of you that don't know, I, I and Tomahawk listeners know, right? Because you've been here. Mm-hmm. You're subscribed. And they if know. you are, a good ti- here's a good time to unsubscribe and resubscribe. But back to the, the story. So everyone knows that my waistline was growing a little bit post-retirement. I, w- I hadn't worked out literally in two whole years. Did nothing. Never went to a gym. Never ran. Never lifted. So I put the picture out. And you out coupled that with a horrible diet. With a horrible which diet. Which is hard it's to do. It's the double up. Yeah, it's the double thing. Congratulations. Thank you. So I was eating whatever I wanted to. I ate like crap for two years and I did not work out. Um, so I put the picture and video out. Of, like I, and I was holding myself to the fire like, okay, if I put this out there, and say I'm going to change it, people are going to expect me to do that. I am a goal-oriented person. I am either all in or all out. I can't just coast, right? So it's like, yo, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it in 40 days. So I gave myself 40 days to work out. I bought a, I bought a bunch of equipment to put in my backyard. I ran literally every day, multiple times a day. I was doing two really? a day. I did, man. I did. Give me a quick a one-minute synopsis on what your workouts were. Because I know you say you yeah. run. For me, if I ran, it would be like two minutes and I'd be dead. But right. for you, I think different standard. Well, I can't I can't run distance, right? So I'm not like, oh, I'm going to do a mile. Or I'm going to do three miles. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. I sprint. I'm a football player. So what I would do was I would I had 30 yards that I laid turf down on the side of my house, and I would do 300-yard oh, shuttles. Hashtag blessed. That was my run. Right. So I, w- I would either do a 30 yard turf field in his house in Los Angeles. <laughs> that couldn't have been free real estate there. No, somebody donated that. The neighbor donated me some space. <laughs> but so I was I would do 300 yard shuttles back and forth in 30 yard increments. He bulldozed the entire neighborhood to put yes. in a 30 yard strip of turf. I, he bought I all down trees and, and, and all kind of environment, safe and friendly stuff here in L.A. for me to have a workout haven. Um, <laughs> so I would do that. And even on the treadmill, I got one of those sprinting treadmills that aren't. Uh, motorized you just get on and start running and i would oh. do sprints on those so i would do like 10 40 step sprints but i would do two three times a day i would lift oh i was goodness. my diet went i found this article on men's fitness um that gave you like a 28 day get lean diet and i just adopted that diet for 40 days 
and it was like give me a give me a taste. What is it? It it was a lot of like salmon, chicken breast, uh, mm. greens, um, low bread, low sh- no sugar, no fat, mm. really like yeah. very minimal fat. So I was eating at most I would do thirty six grams of fat a day. I would keep it under twenty grams of sugar a day. Um, lots of water, cut out the soda. So you're basically eating nothing but protein and water and fiber. Nothing but protein and water, essentially, and, and some greens yeah. and some fruit. That that was it. You were on a bodybuilding cut, essentially. There, yeah. You were eating protein and vegetables, but the protein couldn't have been pork and beef because right. that had too much fat, which is too many calories. Exactly. So you basically were starving yourself. Yeah, to death. essentially. And, and in 40 days, your boy got back. I, I am proud to say... Since I posted that photo, which is like a month ago now, I have not worked out once. And I have been eating like crap again because I felt like I accomplished it. I'm like, oh, that was fun. I knew I could do it. That, and You know what? Honestly, that's the problem with football players. And I see it so much in retirement is we're so goal oriented that when we focus on a goal, we will accomplish it. There's no doubt. But yeah. we have a hard time with like the perpetual things that you never reach. And that's why you see a lot of guys, in my opinion, in retirement that blow up. Yep. They balloon. Like they get really fat because being healthy and having a good diet, there's no finish line. It's like you're going to either do this for the rest of your life or you're not. It's not like I'm working hard for the Super Bowl and then I can take some time off right. and then do something else. Like life. This is a forever thing. This is what your life is. Even myself, I, I feel like I'm in really good shape and I did a nice job losing the weight when I wanted to. But after you get there, you're like, okay, I did it. And then you want to kind of drift back into what's easy. Yep. And it's really hard to do <sighs> the diet and the exercise day in and day out as a former professional athlete. Because like you said, there is no finish line. Yeah. And especially since I'm so used to like in football, there's never like, yo, I'm just going to chill train, right? Like you're training hard every time you go out there. And there's no point for me to train hard right now, right? Like, so it's hard for me to find a middle ground where I feel like it's worth my time but it's better for my health. So that's like still a journey I'm on. And who better to, to be on that journey with than Joe Thomas? How about that? How much are you weighing right now? Have you gained a lot of weight since your fitness challenge or not really? No, man. I, I, I kind of just was the same. I was the same weight as like bad body as I was when I cut everything because it was muscle oh, at that point because I, I was like lifting hard and really putting on a ton, a ton of muscle. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're, we're figuring out. I'm going to get sexy again within the next couple of weeks. Um mm. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to show people I I have to be do a a better job being transparent and literally showing them the crazy workouts that I was doing and that I have to do in order to get fit and then I have to figure out how to maintain it. Moving on here from my body, which is a temple. We're gonna go. We're gonna go here. So over the next two episodes, we're gonna answer our audience's sixteen burning questions because seventy three is too many. Shout out to John for that title. Sixteen <laughs> burning questions because seventy three is too much. Um, so you can submit those questions on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Facebook, email, and voicemail. Our Twitter handle, our Instagram handle is at Tomahawk Show. Make sure you're following. On Reddit, we are Reddit slash Tomahawk Show. We have a Facebook Tomahawk group. We are expanding. I don't think we had a Facebook last year. So now we have gone to Facebook, um, which is just like your 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 mom, dad, or aunt or uncle. You know, it's, we get to Facebook late, and we're going to be all in on it. No expense is too high for the Tomahawk. Exactly. We put a we're lot going of on money Facebook now. On Facebook. Um, email tomahawkshow at gmail.com. Send us questions there in the voicemail. The voicemail is the coolest part for us because 
you have an opportunity to be on the show. The funniest, wackiest voicemails that we get, we're going to put on the show. We have an incredible time with that. The number that you call to leave us a voicemail is 440-628-1376. That is 440-628-1376. So make sure you hit us up. Make sure you're in tune. Joe, now let's talk season. Is there any headlines from the offseason that you're like, man, I wish I could talk about this, but we're not doing podcasts and I don't have the opportunity to do so. What is burning in your mind that you're like, man, I have a hot take. I need to get out here on the Tomahawk show. Too many, because every time I turn on the NFL, I get real emotional and excited about different topics. Yeah. And I always have a take on it, but since I don't get to see you on a daily basis in the off season, I either have to just swallow those takes or give them to my wife and she doesn't care what I have to say about anything. The, the Oakland thing's really interesting to me because you got Mike Mayak, general manager who's been out of the league for a long time. He was with the NFL Network mm-hmm. uh, working our jobs, but back to the NFL with yep. John Gruden who has out of the NFL for a long time, 10 years, and he comes back in, boom, head coach, highest paid head coach that we think of uh, in the NFL right now. And what do they do right when Gruden and Mayak come in? They get rid of Khalil Mack, one of the great pass rushers of our generation. They get rid of Mari Cooper, mm-hmm. a very good receiver who both these guys cause no issues, right? Yep. And Gruden and Mayak, they come out and say, well, we don't want uh, any stars. We don't need stars, right? We're just going to win with good old-fashioned coaching and general managing. And they have a pretty bad season. So what do they do this <laughs> offseason? They trade for uh, Antonio Brown, who is, we can say, I think, probably one of the bigger divas of our generation, right? I think probably since T.O. Divas of our generation, that's like beyond football. That's not like diva receiver. That's not like... Diva NFL players. Okay. He is one of the bigger diva NFL players of our generation. And I give credit to Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger, and the Steelers because, honestly, I think they were able to keep all the drama that Antonio Brown was giving them under a lot of wraps uh-huh. because we didn't hear a whole lot about it until kind of the end, till the divorce kind of happened. But you knew that there was a lot of stuff that was going on that they were able to keep in house and sweep under the rug because now that Antonio Brown is with the Raiders, <laughs> it has become an absolute debacle shit show of epic proportions because <laughs> first of all, Antonio Brown, now you can never say that he doesn't work hard. The man works hard. Yep. He works at his craft. He wants to be great at football, mm-hmm. but he creates so much of a headache because he wants to be the center of attention constantly. And he wants to make everything about himself rather than the team that he goes into the cryogenic chamber, which, okay, we get it. But when you become the person that thinks that the rules don't apply to you, you get outcomes like what happened with Antonio Brown. He goes into the cryogenic chamber and says, I don't need those booties. He went in the cryo chamber without the shoes, without the protective gear because rules don't apply to me. <laughs> I'm Antonio Brown. This episode is brought to you by HP plus in a world full of smart devices. Shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP plus these printers know when they're running low. So you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus you save up to 50% on ink. So you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. I don't need to listen to what this guy told me that I need to do in this cryo chamber. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want because you know what? He's been getting away with it forever and ever and ever because he's such a great football player that uh-huh. they always let it slide. 
Right. So he goes in there and he gets frostbite on his feet. He gets all these blisters. So then he can't practice. So he's been basically unavailable for the Raiders. So now it seems like he's kind of back to normal. The frostbite and the blisters are better from Uh what I understand. And so he's getting ready to be on the field. But uh, what happens then? Nope. Now he needs to make it about himself. Oh, Hard Knocks cameras are around. He wants to make sure that all the NFL news is about Antonio Brown. And it has nothing to do with what he's doing on the field because you can't really do anything in the preseason to make it about yourself. So what does he do? He makes a huge stink about his helmet. He wants to be wearing the same helmet that he's worn the entire uh, his entire career, uh-huh. even though that, that helmet is banned and he's already gone through the grace period from the NFL and they're not going to let him wear it anymore. So instead of being a reasonable human being and just maybe making a big stir on Instagram and uh, Twitter and in the regular media and showing up at practice and making a stink that way, what does he do? He takes it out on the Raiders. I'm just not going to show up. I'm just going to disappear and go to God knows where, and I'm not going to tell anybody about it, and I'm going to do whatever the hell I want because I'm Antonio Brown, and I want to make sure the NFL is always talking about me. So the Oakland Raiders have an enormous headache on their hand, and I don't know how they get out of it because they've already placated him. I'm not Before I even argue any of those points, which I agree with some, I disagree with others, I need to like figure – like my take is this is completely – the Raiders' fault. Because here's the reason. Antonio Brown didn't sell to anybody he was a saint. He didn't let anybody know to say, hey, you know, when I'm somewhere, I am I am all in on whatever anybody else thinks. No, he said the complete opposite. He said, if you want me to play football for you, you are going to play by my rules. That was his direct quote. He said, I don't need football. Period. Like, I'm rich. I have a crazy big house. I have a whole lot of money. I don't need football. If you want me to help your franchise, you're going to play by my rules. That's why when the Gruden traded for Antonio Brown, everybody was kind of taken back. Like, that doesn't seem like it's going to work at all because that seems like the same philosophy as Gruden, who shipped out the best pass rusher and a a top-notch wide receiver saying the same thing. Like, I'm going to do what I want when I want to. So for Antonio Brown to be doing all the other things that we talked about, and yes, it is a debacle right now in Oakland, I don't blame completely Antonio Brown. Is it my style? No, obviously not. Uh, You wouldn't get a lot of that from Hawk. But I don't let the Raiders off the hook. I don't let Mike Mayock off the hook. I don't let John Gruden off the hook because this is what you signed up for. He told you exclusively you're going to play by my rules. Rules being, I want a certain helmet, right? And that's, yes, it sounds ridiculous. There is... 2,800 players in camp right now. Real quick, I disagree on that. Yeah, because give it to me. To me, it's not about the helmet. He says, I'm, you have to play by my rules. And the Raiders are thinking, okay, we can accommodate you. Like, you're a great player. <laughs> you're going to work hard. Okay, great. But his rules are, I'm going to do whatever the hell I have to do to get the attention I need. That's not, it has nothing to do with the helmet. Fuck right. the helmet. He knows he's not going to win this helmet thing. It's just all about the attention. And that's the rules he needs to play by. And obviously there was a misunderstanding when they traded for him because they figured his rules were like they need to get a big-ass cryo chamber and an RV for him in the parking lot and kiss his <laughs> ass every single day and give him gazillions of dollars. But his rules really meant like, I'm going to put myself above the team and do whatever the hell I want whenever I, I want to, and you guys just have to back me up on it. Here's what I'm not going to let happen. I'm not going to let people badmouth cryo chambers as a result of any of this because I, I... Yeah, that's a great point. I will stand up for cryo chambers. I've heard people saying like, oh, this is why cryo chambers are bad. No, this is not why cryo chambers are bad. Cryo chambers are amazing. Joe, we were a part of the cryo chamber club in Cleveland, and it revitalized the last couple years we had as far as our yeah, recovery because they're amazing. Absolutely. 
We were part of the cryo club in Cleveland, which in my opinion is a great way to recover. I would do it Ugh. a lot, a lot. So we had this uh, director of performance when we were there named Adam Beard. He came from like New Zealand and Australia, and he'd yeah. worked with all sorts of rugby and Olympic sport teams overseas. Mm -hmm. And cryogenic chambers were really big over there for recovery. And basically what it does is it freezes your body into thinking that you're dying, essentially. <laughs> and when you, your body thinks that you're dying of frostbite, uh, what it does is it releases all these hormones to try to save you. Essentially, it's releasing all these pro-growth hormones yes. into your body to help you recover, to try to survive the freezing, frigid, cold environment that you're in. You only go in for like two or three minutes. It's yep. a very short period of time. You're wearing hat and gloves and a face and a mask. So even your breath and your lungs are protected. You're wearing booties and socks and, uh, you know, a thong bikini. If you're Hawk, if yep, you're me, you're wearing like regular shorts and you go in there and basically that the minus 70 or minus 80 Fahrenheit, whatever it is, it's really, really effing cold. Uh -huh. Um, cause I think it's liquid nitrogen based. I have no idea. It, it's super cold. And you go in there for like two or three minutes and it, it tricks your body into think you're dying. And when you come out, you feel absolutely amazing. Hawk and I were part of a group of, I don't know, maybe five or seven guys that actually for road trips, when we would fly <laughs> back into Cleveland, we would get in our cars and instead of driving home to our families who haven't seen us since Saturday, which is only a day, I get it, but they have <laughs> not seen us. And the first stop we always made was not home. Nope. It wasn't the bars. Nope. It wasn't the clubs. Nope. We were going to that cryo chamber because <laughs> we was old. We was time to recover, baby. We were trying to recover because it made you feel so much better the next day. It cut down on your inflammation, your soreness, and it started that recovery process really quickly. So yep. I can't recommend cryo chambers enough, but I also can't recommend enough wearing the proper protective gear <laughs> so you don't get fucking frostbite well it was a, it was a clear indication to me when i would sit in that cryo chamber after road games and watch everyone else go to the clubs or go get something to eat or go see their families and i felt like i didn't have a choice but to be in the cryo chamber because i wouldn't have survived the <laughs> week if i wasn't in there and i'd look around <laughs> and there was like four of us in there that's how i knew the end is near <laughs> this is yeah it was like this is coming me you Josh McCown. Yeah. It was like all the guys that were over 30. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. I'm probably not going to be around here much longer. Um, so yeah, shout out to the cryo chambers. Um, yeah. So I, Joe, was there anything you played with that you were like, yo, I got to have this thing or I won't be able to play similar to Antonio Brown's shoot yeah. air raid. Yeah. 2010 helmet. What was it? So, um, there was two things actually. One was gloves from Under Armour that they didn't make anymore my last like four years. Uh. So I, I got used to wearing a certain glove. It had a real nice thick leather, but it was also really tight and it fit really well on my hands. I, I don't think I have unusual sized hands, but for some reason, a lot of the gloves that under Armour and Nike and all the all the glove makers were making my last few years in the NFL. They had like super long, obnoxiously long fingers, like banana hands. Mm -hmm. And my fingers are kind of normal size. Like I don't have these big banana hands. And so all the gloves in two, three, four XL would fit my palm, but they would have these just enormous size fingers that didn't fit. And I was one of these guys. I needed like a surgeon glove. I needed my glove to be skin tight. I needed my shoes to be skin tight because those were my tools in my trade that I needed to operate. And so I couldn't have any slack. There couldn't be any friction or looseness in my gloves or my shoes. 
And so my last like three years, I think they didn't make those gloves anymore. So mm. I had them go to the warehouse and find every single pair of gloves that they had in this style and send them to me. And then what I would do is early on in my career, when they made these gloves, I would wear a different pair each week because after wearing them for a game, they get really pretty well beat up. Uh-huh. But after they'd stopped making them anymore, I would send them in the equipment room. They would take the tape off. They would wash them and they would like try to basically revitalize them so that I could get as much out of them as I possibly could so that I could stretch them through the rest of my career. And then the other thing I could never play with is I had these custom orthotic insoles that went inside of my shoes. We had a guy from Tennessee actually come to the facility and he made a plaster mold of my foot. And then he went went home and he made this custom orthotic that fit perfectly to my foot. Then he came back after he made it and he put the sensor underneath my foot to see where the weight was distributed and to make sure it was even. And it made my shoes fit just like a glove would. And those were the two things that I could never play without. Well, you're very specific. I had a couple. I mean, I don't think I had anything like... <laughs> Like that, like the, to that level of you just did, oh. like where you held a, one of the biggest apparel brands in the country hostage. Um, <laughs> I thought you would have had a bunch being that you're a diva yeah, receiver. No, I wasn't. I was, I would just pass up on other things. Like, so I would need a certain amount of gloves and I would feel bad. I never, see, that's the difference in life. Like when you come from where you come from, Joe, being the top guy constantly, you make demands, right? Oh. When you come from where I come from, being a guy who sneaks in the back door, you always feel like you make requests. So I would go to new teams and I'd say like, hey, I go through a bunch of gloves, but it's okay. Here's a thousand dollars for me to pay for them. So I would buy like my own gloves because I was scared to ask for them to let me continue to get new ones every practice. So you realize the equipment managers get all of those gloves for free from the different manufacturers. Yeah. So there was some dude in the equipment room with thousands of dollars that dude, were going right into his pocket every year. I, I kid you not. Any equipment manager would tell you, I would buy my own gloves. Or I would give them money for the amount of gloves I was asking for because I needed them to be at my best. <laughs> also, Adidas, my, I think my second to last year, this is off of the backs of the footwork video, right? Where it goes viral because of my feet are lightning quick, like Sonic the Hitchhog mm. level. Um, Adidas mm. comes in with a deal that is like, I want to say, I, wasn't, I didn't have a deal. Right, I, I was with Nike, and I was getting like a, you get apparel, right? Because Nike has the league, so they're not paying a bunch of money. So I would get like fifteen k to twenty k in apparel only with Nike. Adidas comes through with a deal that would have paid me, I think, between fifty and a hundred thousand, like cash and merchandise. And oh my goodness, I ended up passing. Over how many years? It was like for like per year, like that oh, was it per what? year. And I passed Damn. on the deal because I didn't wow. feel comfy in their shoes. In gloves. What an idiot. Yeah, on this so side. What I, what I, I like should have said is there was two things that I could never play without in my career. Unless you paid me enough money. Unless you paid me <laughs> 150000 a year, then I was going to do whatever you wanted. Out of that's here. hilarious. Yeah, so that's, that was me passing up on those deals because I didn't feel comfortable. I got something funny that happened to me the other day. Uh, you know the Twitter handle freezing cold takes? Yep. Oh, you got freezing cold takes? I've got a freezing cold take. So <laughs> like two days ago, I had just heard that Josh McCown took a job with ESPN. Yep. Like, oh, my, my boy. 
what a great guy. Like, <laughs> I'm so excited for him. So I sent him a text like, hey, Josh, I kind of been off the grid a little bit this summer. I've been spending a lot of time with my family. And so I'm not into the NFL news as much as I am during the season. And I heard you got a job with ESPN. Congratulations. I'm really happy for you. You're going to do a great job. <laughs> you know, the classy guy that Josh is, he responds right away. Oh, thanks, man, so much. You know, I love listening to you. I love watching you. And I might be calling you for advice, right? The perfect thing to say, even though he's totally lying and he's way better <laughs> at it than I am. But he made me feel good. Stroke my ego, right? Yep. And so less than 24 hours later, I'm driving down the highway and I'm listening to the radio and I hear, Josh McCown signs with the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> on a one-year deal to, to come back and be their backup quarterback. And I'm like... Son of a bitch. <laughs> that was a freezing cold take. And this is the type of stuff that doesn't happen overnight. So I now I'm thinking back <laughs> to myself, like, Josh was probably in Philly signing the contract <laughs> as he's responding to me, like, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> so I, I definitely want to screenshot that conversation and then please do tag freezing cold takes because it was a really <laughs> freezing cold take. Please do that and as well also tag Josh McCown because you're absolutely right. Because in his mind, this is like this is the chess match that happens between former players and current players and friends slash former teammates and information being passed. Because in his mind, you pro he probably thought you heard about him talking with Philadelphia, and you're now because you're a media member, you're fishing for answers. Yeah. So he, you wanted him to respond. Oh, I'm actually talking with the Eagles, and he didn't bite the yeah. hook. So he's just like, oh, thank you, not realizing you're really an idiot, and you were really off the grid, <laughs> and you're really congratulating him on a deal that was announced four months earlier. Oh, oh, that's yes. rich. I am really an idiot, and it actually just came out. That's funny. <laughs> that's Can awesome. we get a round of applause effect right now for Josh McCown, who? Again, he is in the running as Andrew Brandt, former uh, agent extraordinaire, says for the business of football, Josh McCown now creeping up towards the $50 million mark of total earnings. And I think he's the highest paid quarterback from the 2002 class. I could be wrong. That was the uh, David Carr years, but he's officially passed David Carr. I was going to say there clearly was no good quarterbacks that Ooh, year because David Carr. his $2 million contract is not exactly well, up there with he's the played 17 years. 30 plus. Yeah. Ah, well, you know who was going to make 50 million this year is Dak Prescott when he signs his new deal. <laughs> do you think he's going to get that? Do you think they're going to pay him $40 million a year? No. So what I think is going to happen, he's going to get right at that 30, 31 million a year because he's a middle of the pack quarterback right now. Yeah. He's got numbers that are better than Carson once. And that's clearly what his agent is going to be arguing and, and beating the drum. Right. But I think when you pull 32 general managers in the NFL, most of them are going to have Dak kind of in the middle of the pack. And so the middle of the pack money is right around like 30 million. And to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys and to give your team enough flexibility to sign these other guys, that's going to give them an opportunity to have way more career earnings off the field as the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, especially if he leads them to a Super Bowl or a bunch of playoffs. And so really to be able to squeeze an extra two or three million more out of the team when you really actually probably don't deserve it. It seems Ouch. like kind of a, a bad position to try to take. I understand you're going to push it as far as you possibly can, try to get as much money as you can. But at some point, I do think that he's going to become realistic. And he, I, I do think they are realistic right now. They're just trying to push it as far as they can, but they're going to accept the deal before the season starts, in my opinion. And he's going to get right around that 30, 31 million a, a year. The team's going to feel good about it because they get flexibility to sign Zeke yeah. and 
Amari Cooper. And then the the player and the agent will feel good about it because it's still a ton of money and it's a quarterback who is not going to be setting a new market because he's not one of those top five, top ten guys. It's tough, though, for me because I feel like players who have only played for the Cowboys live in like this false reality because I don't think people realize like you can play in the NFL. And I experienced this a little bit when I moved from Cincinnati to Cleveland. And when I was in Cincinnati, I mean, it was awesome. I grew up rooting for the Bengals, right? So I was like super amped just to be a member of the Bengals and be playing for my childhood team. And then when I moved over to Cleveland, even though we weren't as good from a record standpoint or even as good as a football team as the years I was in Cincinnati, I felt like it was the next level as as far as fandom and being recognized no in the fan. Like yeah. it was, ne- and so when you think of the Cowboys. They are rock stars. I don't care. You could be roster member number 52, and you are making a ton of money in marketing dollars. You are a literal celebrity, not only in Dallas, but Cowboys fans across the country. So if you are a star for the Cowboys, you they kind of live in this false reality of like, that they're almost more important than they realize like across the NFL. Like until you play for some of these other markets, you don't get how good you have it. And for guys like Dak, guys like Zeke, um, they're like, yeah, no, I, I, I am a cowboy. I understand what this means because I feel the fandom constantly and, and the rock star status. So you're going to pay me no matter what you say my numbers are or aren't. You're going to pay me top dollar because I'm your signal caller for that alone. For the Cowboys, I don't think you want your quarterback worrying about money or have the opportunity to make more money off the field, which Dak does. He doesn't hardly make any money right now because he's on his rookie deal. So he makes more money off the field than on it. And if you're anything like me, you focus on where your bread is buttered at, right? Like wherever I'm making the most money, that gets the brunt of my focus. And you don't want your quarterback making more money off the field than he does on because naturally he might start focusing more there than where you actually need him to. Yeah, well, I don't think he'll ever have to have that problem because he's still going to be making $30 million a year as a quarterback, which is it's a, it's a lot of money. I don't care who you are. I'm talking about right now, though. Like get this deal done is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Get it done now because he's making a very, very low salary because he was a mid-round pick as a quarterback and he's still on his rookie deal. But I think what you're speaking to is a very good point because I'm going to call it almost like the Jason Witten effect. So he goes to Monday Night Football last year and all of a sudden he gets all this criticism, which being a Dallas Cowboy, being the golden child of the Dallas Cowboys for all those years, he never received any criticism whatsoever. So all of a sudden you're getting this criticism on a national level and you don't know how to take it. You don't understand it because you live in a a cocoon. It's almost like being a beetle. When you're a Dallas Cowboy, the Dallas Cowboy fan base is loyal and passionate. Like a lot of other fan bases across the country. I'll say Green Bay because I grew up in Wisconsin and Cleveland where those fans that love the team that are from that area are passionate and loyal beyond belief. It's the number one thing going on in their life. But the difference with the Cowboys is it's more of a national fan base. The Cowboys, the reason they're always called America's team is because they win the poll consistently throughout the entire country Mm -hmm. of people who are Cowboys fans. For whatever reason, there's more Cowboys fans distributed throughout the country. So wherever those Cowboys guys go, they have an unbelievable amount of respect and adulation and fans. Whereas if you're a Cleveland Brown or a Green Bay Packer, 
or maybe some of these other fan bases that are just as loyal, just as passionate, but it's not as much yeah. of a, a reach. And so now for a guy like Jason Witten to get criticism on a national level, it's something new and something he doesn't like. And so it's just the same thing with uh, with Dak. You know, he, he is a cowboy. He goes anywhere. He's recognized. People love him. Yeah. He's a good quarterback. He's a good person. They want to like him. And I think it's easy to maybe get a little bit of an inflated sense of self and and performance and self-worth because you don't get that criticism from that fan base. Yeah, and I'm all for it, man. Get your money. That, that's our motto here on the Tomahawk yeah. Show. Get a your money. Joe. Well, I- let's talk quickly. Yeah, hit me. About Zeke because it's a different situation to me because I think Zeke is clearly one of the top couple running backs, yeah. whereas Dak, he's in the middle of the pack. Zeke. Clearly one of the top running backs, but at probably one of the least valued positions in the NFL, whereas Dak is playing the most valued position. So it's kind of a a role reversal there. Do you think Zeke resets the running back market? Do they get something done or does this hold out last the entire season? Um, I think they get something done, man, because in order for this team to reach its potential, they need Zeke. It is built as a rush first team. That offensive line is amazing. And yes, when you couple that with one of the top running backs in the league, as you mentioned, there are fireworks. This team is built from the rush game out and they need Zeke for that. Zeke understands that leverage. Um, Again, Another bad part in the same situation is Zeke makes a ton of money off the field. I don't know if it's more than he makes on because he was a a top five pick, but he makes a ton of money off the field. He understands the shelf life of being a running back. But the only thing that worries me about it is for running backs, as we've seen with the Le'Veon Bell situation, it's not like people say like, oh, miss a year, you'll get it on the back. And for a quarterback, they have the negotiation power to say like, I can make it on the back end because there's not really a... When you're Tom Brady's 42 and he's still probably the top quarterback in the league, right? Like you can play as long as you want to, as long as you're good. For a running back, it doesn't matter how good you are, there is an expiration date. So if you skip one of those years, you are skipping a year that you could be making top dollar. Now I get he's not making top, top dollar because he's not out of his contract yet, but still, it's a year coming off of that shelf life where you could be making that money. And that's the only thing that worries me about Zeke. To me, that's why this is a little bit more of a challenging negotiation because Zeke feels like I should definitely reset the market and I need to do it right now. And I think Jerry realizes that Dak is a middle-range quarterback, so he needs Zeke to be that dominant running force that he is. Mm -hmm. They need that running game to be great if they want to challenge for the playoffs. But at the same time, you have a running back market that continues to kind of slide – and so it, it'll be interesting, but I do think that Zeke will get something done. He will reset the running back market, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's going to blow it away. I think he goes over Todd Gurley's money, but I don't think he's going to blow it away by 10 or 15%, which is what you would normally expect. All other positions in football, when you're one of the best at your position mm-hmm. and you get to that free agency and you re-sign with the same team, typically you're going to beat the highest paid player at your position historically by about 10 to 20%, depending on generational talent or just all pro really, really good. But because of that running back market being so depressed because of the supply of running backs, let's, Mm -hmm. let's, let's be honest, the supply of good running backs. It's easy to find a good running back in the fourth round and the fifth round. They don't have a long shelf life. And couple that with the NFL has taken away a focus from the running game, has really made that position not worth as much. But Jerry Jones, he loves Zeke. 
He loved Emmett Smith. He understands that if they want to have success, they need to get Zeke in there. So I think he does beat it. And here's one thing that I haven't heard anybody talk about. So they, they always say, well, an owner, he can own it, own the team forever, right? And so he, he's not in a, in a hurry to get right. a deal done. He's willing to just have a crappy year to make a point. Mm-hmm. But here's what people miss is that when you become a big B billionaire, mm. your time is so much more valuable than anybody else's. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I get you're it. a big B billionaire in your 70s. You're thinking, I ain't going to live forever. Jeez. What's the number one thing that I enjoy in my life? And that is watching the Dallas Cowboys win football games. I've only got maybe 10, 15, 20 more years. And I value my time so much that I fly around this country in a G50 like Hawk does because every second of my time and every year of my life is so valuable. And so he's thinking constantly about that. And I don't think Jerry wants to waste a year of Cowboys football of the the enjoyment that he gets watching his team succeed to prove a point that he doesn't think Zeke is worth resetting the running back market. Jeez, man, that took a kind of, it was a lighthearted, but it took a dark, a dark turn for <laughs> No, It's just a reality. It's a realistic take. Yeah, I get it, man. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. So what do you rate? What was Zeke on the top 100 list? Can we figure that out? We got a researcher now. It'd be a good time to introduce our researcher slash yeah. producer. So one of our producers, we got a new producer <laughs> on the show. His name is John. John, how do you say your last name? Fontanelli? That's right. Fontanelli. He is yeah, um, really a tough one there. Yeah, Fontanelli. Fontanelli. John, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here, guys. Ezekiel Elliott was number 18 on this year's top 18 100. 18 in the top 100. Did you? So he's a good player. Joe, what was your highest number on the top 100 when you were playing? Me? Yeah, what that, was, I don't know. I think I was top 10 one year, but I honestly, I didn't really pay a ton of attention. Sorry, NFL Network. They're my boss right now. As you know, I'm a company man, and I apologize, but I didn't pay close attention to the top 100 all the time. So Zeke is 18. All right. So there Zeke, are four running backs ahead of him, by the way. Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, and Saquon Barkley. Mm. It's hard to argue. Those are really good running but, backs. But, I mean, you take any of those four and you're good. Like, to me, those four guys are almost all uh, interchangeable. Did you have any problems with the top 100? They had Aaron Donald, number one overall player. I think we both agree on that one. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's get into the top 100 right now. Um, a little bit, at least. Let's touch on that. Aaron Donald, number one on the top 100. And it reminds me of the year that Walter Jones would have been number one in the top 100 if mm. the NFL Network was doing top 100 back then. But I think Sports Illustrated came out with an article saying that Walter Jones, the left tackle for the Seattle Seahawks, was not only the best player at his position, but he's the best player in the game right now. And so Aaron Donald, the way he dominates to me is easily clearly the best player in the NFL right now. Now, defensive tackle, not as important as quarterback, but still he deserves that number one spot. I think a spot that was a little bit too high was number two with Mm. Drew Brees. He is a fantastic Hall of Fame first ballot, wonderful quarterback. But to me, he is not better than the one and only Tom Brady. Six rings for Tom Brady. Still playing at a really super high level, making everybody around him better. I just don't think that Drew Brees is better than Brady. And actually, I think Aaron Rodgers should have been higher than Drew Brees as well. There goes the Wisconsin Homer edition of uh, Hot Takes. Uh, I, I mean, right, I, well, I want to hear what you have to say. I, I really don't care. But what about Mahomes? I actually think Mahomes is better than Brees. I think he Mahomes. Was the MVP of the league last year. If you're just talking about, yeah, I, I would say Mahomes I'd have over all of them. I mean, just because what he did last year was amazing for it to be his first year starting. 
Like you don't typically get worse when you do that at that level. Um, so there may be a little drop off because as Joe always says, now defensive coordinators have a whole offseason to try to plan for you. But I still think what he did was amazing. And I don't I don't see a world where a quarterback should have been rated above him um, or been grandfathered in because the numbers he put up was ridiculous. He was one uh, disciplinary uh, infraction away from going to the Super Bowl. Right, like just a, from a discipline standpoint, had that guy not jumped off sides, they would have been in the Super Bowl and they probably would have won. Right, D Ford. Yeah, so I, I I think he's a top quarterback, but I don't argue the Brady, Breeze, Rogers, blah blah blah. Yeah, I mean it's sort of semantics. They're all up there. Yeah. They're all great. Blah blah blah. But all right, Cleveland. What are your expectations this year? Because we can't we can't leave this episode and not talk about Cleveland. Yeah. Right, this is what like we're it. We we built the foundation for this. The the L's that I took. Set the Browns up for what they're doing now, because I put the brunt of being the number one receiver for the Cleveland Browns for a couple years there on my back for such a little amount of money that it cleared the cap space. Can we say that uh, Andrew Hawkins is the Antonio Brown of podcasting? Yes, he always wants to make it about himself. I'm humble. We're trying to talk Cleveland Browns. The humility just oozes out of my veins. What do you expect? All right, so Browns, what are your expectations? Real expectations here. We'll, we'll just we'll just tease it up a little bit because we got a whole season to talk about this. So I was on one of my two-week sabbaticals out to Culver City working for NFL Network doing Total Access, which is a really fun show that I get to do out there a few times in the offseason. And um, I got an opportunity to pick the Browns' schedule when the schedules came out. And so I went 10-6. and six. I thought that was a really okay. – Fair, down the middle, especially with the hard schedule that they have at the beginning of the season. I feel like 10-6 and is really solid. I think that'll win the AFC North for them. Mm -hmm. But I could easily see them going 11-5. and 11-5. 11 and Easily. 5. 10 and 6. So so I went I went 10 and 6 to kind of soften the expectations in my own head a little bit knowing that I think they'll probably exceed that and they'll probably do a little bit better but if they don't I could feel really good about 10 and 6. Yeah. I know in every show that you guys listen to what happens is one host makes his prediction the other gives his prediction and then they weigh it against it. But this is our show, damn it, and I'm not going to pick right now. I mm-hmm. don't have a, a a record for you. I don't have a, a prediction oh. for you. All I'm going to say okay. is Odell is incredible, and every time I see clips from training camp, it reminds me of how good he is, and I'm very, very excited. So I'm not ready to make my prediction as far as record yet, but Odell is as good as advertised. Hot take. Give me a hot take sound effect right there. Boom. There it was. So one of the big stories out of Cleveland this offseason was that Odell only showed up for a handful of the workouts and practices. Uh Uh-huh. Do you think that's going to affect them when the season rolls around? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I played with one of the best left tackles in NFL history, okay? Oh. I don't remember practicing with him one time in three years. <laughs> I also don't remember him ever missing a block. So you can't tell me. Sometimes people are so good that they just don't need as many reps as everybody else, you know? And, I again, I'm not even kidding. I know I joke, but Joe literally for the last year and a half did not practice. He didn't have to because it was better for his body just to be fresh on game. And I'm not saying Odell's there yet, but all I'm using that is an illustration that Odell is so good. And you can see, no kidding, in the clips, when you watch those DBs try to cover him, 
he is operating at just a different level than we've seen from receivers in Browns uniforms. And that's coming from a Browns receiver who was in that same uniform. Like it is fluid. It is effortless. Um, the, the questions for Odell aren't on his on-field product. Like that will be top notch. Right. So I, no, no issues, no reservations about it whatsoever. Devil's Advocate says, well, we understand Odell will be ready, but Baker Mayfield, he's a second-year quarterback. He hasn't even started for a full season yet. They haven't played together. Wouldn't that time in the offseason be a good opportunity for them to get on the same page and get ready for the season? Maybe. I don't know. Wow. Strong. Strong take. That's what we love about your podcasting skills. He always takes a strong opinion. The beautiful thing is this, right? Like, let's say their, their ceiling is like, Randy Moss, Tom Brady, right? Maybe it's like that kind of connection where they they rip it up. If they give us Tom Brady and um, Dante Stallworth, we'll be happy with that. Like, it's, well, I don't know about that. I'm not gonna be happy. I mean, they had like, I mean, if if they we're operating from a place in Cleveland where we are so used to not winning and so used used to That's not having point. that domination, like fans won't notice the difference between them doing really good and them being the best all time. So there's time to get to that point and we can use the season for that. They're so good that I feel like we're going to get a feeling from this receiving core and this offense, including Jarvis. I don't want to leave Jarvis out because he's also one of the best statistical receivers that we've seen in the NFL ever. Right. So I'm not saying he's a shab. It's just that Odell's the new toy. But I I think with the collection of all of them, we're going to see some of the funnest Cleveland Browns offense that we've ever seen. During OTAs in the offseason, did you find that because you weren't wearing pads and you were kind of going maybe a little bit less than full speed, that you weren't able to really get a whole lot out of the quarterback to receiver connection in the offseason until you actually put the pads on and started doing that in training camp? No, I felt the opposite. Okay. Like I felt like when I when I wore pads in practice, I hated it. I like I felt like everything was jumbled because you look back to the offense and like there's a bunch of people back there with a bunch of pads on and everything is hard to find and in the games, I never thought about having pads on in the games. It felt like I didn't have pads on. It felt like the practices when I wasn't wearing pads. In practice, I would always notice having pads on because it it would change like the way I was getting off the line of scrimmage, the contact down the field. And I, I know there's not much, doesn't seem like there's much logic to it, but in practice, I would always notice it in the games. It felt like you were just playing. And that's how it feels when you don't have pads on. It feels like you're just playing and I'm focusing on my routes and I'm focusing on, oh, I got to be here at this time. Here's the timing here. Here's the timing there. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I mean, it was just, it was different for me. And maybe I'm just a whack job, Joe. That's very, that's not off, off the realm of possibilities. Well, I, I, I guess uh, time will tell. I think the only thing that makes me nervous about Odell missing OTAs now is, and I, and I went on a big rant against Tony Grozy, who uh, was complaining about Odell missing OTA almost every day. Mm-hmm. But I went on a big rant against him uh, in the off season, And the only thing that now concerns me a little bit is that Odell is missing a good portion of training camp with a little bit of an injury. And so now that connection maybe is being that opportunity to work on that connection maybe is lost a little bit right now because you kind of count on this training camp time to be able to get on the same page and they're not, they don't have that right now. Yeah. Time will tell. Time will tell. No, you're right. You could be wrong. You could be, I could be wrong, which is, I could be right. It's just rare. We may be crazy. All right. How's the family doing? We didn't, we didn't talk about the family. How's the family doing quickly? 
And Annie, Family's great. Annie is completely right. Stop listening to podcasts at one and a half speed, you lunatic. <laughs> the hell is wrong with you? So there you go. So that that was uh, an explain that tweet. So Annie and I were driving to Milwaukee to go to a buddy's surprise party uh, this past weekend. And I'm a big podcaster, right? I, I like to podcast, but I also like to engage and listen to podcasts myself. And I listen to nerdy podcasts about learning and history and stuff yeah. like that. Freakonomics. That's one of my favorite ones. And so I, I turned on a podcast on and for the ride at one and a half times. And within like two seconds, she's like punching me. And she's like, are you a serial killer? What are you listening to? It's giving me a headache. They're talking so fast. And I said, well, I can listen to it at one and a half times so I can go through more podcasts. And so I can get more information more quickly. And we got into like a nice heated discussion. And so I threw it on Twitter uh, as a Twitter poll just to see if listening to podcasts more than one X is crazy. And it seems the vast majority of people think I'm an idiot and I'm a serial <laughs> killer because I like podcasts at 1.5 X. Uh, yeah. And anybody who's listening to this podcast at 1.5 X, you need to unsubscribe right now and then resubscribe. I'm going to start talking really fast that if you listen to that 1.5 X, it'll talk so fast that you wouldn't enjoy the podcast at all. That was actually pretty good, huh? That's amazing you could do that. I, I can't talk that fast, but you're, you're a true professional. What can I say? <laughs> Thank you. I think that does How about it. you, man? Um, yeah, no. I mean, family's good, man. We had, I have a movie in theaters, Joe. How about that? I executive produced a short film called Hair Love that is playing mm. at the front of Angry Birds 2. So if you look at the credits, it's executive <laughs> produced by myself and Jordan Peele. Oh the incredible producer duo. How did that come about? Yeah, it was, so the, the guy who directed it and wrote it and produced it is actually a former NFL player. He was like a practice squad guy, bounced around a couple of years, went into mm -hmm. Hollywood as like a production assistant, worked his way up, had this idea for a short film, um, put it on Kickstarter. It went like wildfire. Uh, but I, I connected with him prior too to be like, hey man, I can help any way possible. He's like, yeah, cool. You want to be an executive producer? Yep. Gave him a little bit of money to kind of help get him started. Kickstarter blows up. He raises a crazy amount of money. Sony ends up buying the film. Um, and now it's playing at the front of Angry Birds 2. So it's in theater. So we went to see the movie. It was really cool to see my name in, in credits in a movie theater. So yeah, Tomahawk movie on the way, man. That's our next big film. You got to send that to me. Starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And we're still trying to cast my part. Everyone's saying Michael B. Jordan, Idris Elba. Uh, Brad Pitt. Nobody knows. So we're, 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 we still have it out there. Don't worry. People will figure it out soon. Uh, what, yeah, that's it, man. I think that's good for this episode, Joe. That's good. You know, this is a training camp for us. We're just putting the training wheels back on. We're getting easing our way into the NFL season. It's still preseason. Nothing matters yet. So nah, man, just, we're, uh, we're getting warmed up. The hot takes are sure to come hot and heavy. This is our version of going in for the first series and then putting our sneakers on and taking our helmet off for the rest of the game. <laughs> so, yeah. Welcome to the Tomahawk Show. Again, make sure you interact with us on social, at Tomahawk Show, on all social platforms. Make sure you rate the show five stars. We have the most five stars of any football podcast on Apple Podcasts, and we appreciate you guys. Subscribe if you haven't. If you have, unsubscribe and resubscribe. And we'll see what it does, man. I think that's it. Yeah, tune in next week. I think we're going to do 16 burning questions. 2019 NFL season preview, maybe even. People are like, where's Nat? We don't know. Nat got kidnapped. And we're that's trying to figure it out. Sad. No, we've, 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 Joe found NFD in the offseason. Um, and now someone took Nat for ransom for anybody listening. We're figuring out if you have any answers, hit us up on our voicemail or tweet us about it. If you have answers, if you've seen her whereabouts because we're trying to lock her down. 
voicemail, 440-628-1376. Joe, take us out. Joe, hawk yourself. Hawk yourself.